right here. Uh, but nevertheless, um, God is good. Amen. Have you already got that on? Okay. Um, hmm. Okay. Remind me to come back to a place when we got that off then. Um, I need something to write with. Uh, hang on. Okay, so last week we left off in chapter 27, and I gave everybody a couple of homework assignments. I don't know how many people remembered that. We're going to look at a, back up, not back up, but kind of go over a little bit of this again, what we talked about, and um, try to bring out a couple of things to help you this evening, and I don't know how far we'll make it, we'll see, but if you remember... Um, Last week, they had been out to sea for 14 days, a lot of that time in total darkness, uh, or at least uh, the night was, was dark because uh, basically there were the cloud cover, from what we understand, uh, was there the whole time, so they had no clue really where they were at. They could not navigate. Uh, they had no way of figuring out what part of the Mediterranean Sea they were in. Uh, they just knew they were in water. And if you remember, we've discussed this, and I haven't mentioned this the last few days with somebody else. I don't remember where or when. But I say it, I, I believe that I think one of the scariest experiences you can have is to be out in a body of water where you cannot see land and trouble happen. Um, and there's no jet ski sitting there. There's no tugboat sitting there. There's no uh, Coast Guard dropping down. I mean, it's just you and the water. And the sharks. And so, uh, I, myself, I think that is one that, even in a plane, uh, you stand a little bit of a shot of finding somewhere to set that thing down. But the only place to set that boat down is in the bottom. And we don't live there. So, to me, that is one of the most scariest things you can go through. So, in Acts 27, um, I'm going to start in verse 21. Again, this is where... Um, let me read verse 20 just to kind of to set the, the tone here again. And then we're going to read down through some of this and we'll pick up some things. And verse 20 says, And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. So stop and think about this. Try to put yourself in this position. We're in the Mediterranean Sea. You don't know where you're at. Again, remember, this is a couple thousand years ago, so there was no uh, radios, there was no CBs, uh, couldn't call 911, uh, the Coast Guard uh, was unavailable, um, and uh, the storm had been on them the whole time, at least we know wind, uh, strong driving winds, and the sun nor stars. And for those of you that's been outside much at night, when there's no moon or stars, friend, it's dark. Especially on the water, away from land. You're talking about black. 
you, that's the kind of dark you can almost touch and feel. So verse 21, but after long absence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from creep and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. Let me, uh, let me read it. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Now let me stop here for a minute. A couple of things I want to point out to you. Um, one, notice that, but after long absence. So somewhere Paul was in the back of the boat. I don't know if he was hit under a couple life preserved. I don't know where he was at, but somewhere along the line, he was out of sight, out of mind. And I believe he'd done that to pray. I, know, I don't know about you, but myself, there's sometimes, especially in a situation like this, I want to get away from everything and everyone. I don't want any distractions. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want anything or anyone but God and I. That's it. I don't want to, I just, I just leave me alone. I need to go get alone with God. And I think this was one of those moments. Now this time when he stood up, I think Paul had a certain change in his voice when he said it this time. I think there was an assurance this time rather than in a... Uh, I don't want to say opinion, but advice maybe. I think he spoke with some authority. Because if you notice it said, um, in verse back up to verse 20, let's read that again, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. So at this point, everybody on this boat pretty much had already resigned to the fact they were going to die. They were not going to make it. If I read this right. So Paul stood up and encouraged them and said this. And I, I, I'll say this. Uh, I, angels do not have the same role that they played in the Old Testament because there's, there's not as much reason for them. Uh, God speaks to us directly in our hearts now, not through prophets, priests, or angels. Occasionally, he will still use angels to speak to us. Why? Well, because he's God and he can do what he wants. Uh, I mean, you, you want an explanation, that's the best explanation I can give you. Uh, and sometimes one of the angels. And, and here he said the angel of God. Um, I could go into a lot of detail here. I could give a lot of theories and thoughts. And soak a lot of other people. Uh, some would say that was Jesus. Some would say this. Some would say that. All I can tell you is he said the angel of God. So I'm going to say it was the angel of God. Um, that makes sense and you've heard me say when the Bible makes sense stop trying to make it make sense quit trying to figure it out and he said fear not Paul for thou must be brought before Caesar remember God told him that he was going to go to Rome do you remember back in, earlier in Acts when Peter was in the prison and um, he was arrested and he slept that night and James had his head cut off that day and they was going to behead Peter the next day because Herod saw that it pleased the people and Peter was asleep when the angel came and woke him up. Now, I don't know about you, but if I, if I watched one of my best friends get beheaded that day and I knew my turn was next, I'm not sure I could go to sleep. Especially in probably the conditions he was asleep in. 
to leave. Yeah. We don't know. For what are the reasons? James' time was done. And that's, I mean, and that's a good point. That is. That's a good point to bring up and bring out in that. Because um, he's God. That's, I know that may be weak sometimes. But folks, there are some things we just are not going to know. And like I've, you've heard me say many times, if God did come down and explain it to us, it wouldn't do any good. We still probably wouldn't comprehend most of it. We still wouldn't understand it. No. And, and I've said... That's right. And I've said at funerals many times, there is no good time to die. That does not exist. You say, well, they could live their life out. It's still going to hurt. There are still people going to depend on them. I don't, I, mean, it's, I don't mean that mean, folks. I'm not trying to sound like I'm cruel, cold hearted. I don't mean to sound that way if I do. It's just it doesn't exist. A good time. And imagine if God did tell us the date and the time we're going to die, how different we would be. I think some people would do all they could for God, and I'm going to be quite honest with you. I think some people would go try to get all the earth they could get, Christians included. Guarantee it. All right, let me move on. <laughs> um, so verse 25, he says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. And I, like I said, I know we went through some of this last week, but I just want to kind of reiterate, uh, be of good cheer. I believe God. He says, For I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. If you remember a few conversations before this, uh, if you back up to verse 11, the owner of the ship and the captain, uh, they called him something else, um, the master um, spoke and said, we got the right good breeze here. We can do this. Uh, we can make it. We're okay. And they believed them. Paul said this time in verse 25, he says, for I believe God. You all can believe who you want to, but I trust God. I think that's more or less what he was kind of getting at. Um, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Notice Paul did not know what island they was going to hit. I don't believe he knew. He said a certain island. Uh, they didn't know where they were at. They knew they were in the middle of the water. That's it. They had no clue how, where they were at, geographically speaking, in the sea. But when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Aradia, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they draw near, drew near uh, to some country. I looked up where that was at, and it is, you pretty much remember on the map, uh, they were down below uh, Italy there a little ways, along some islands, and it's just considered that part of the, the Mediterranean Sea. Now, verse 28, And sounded and found it twenty fathoms, and when they had gone a little farther, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Did anybody remember to look up what sounding and fathoms are? <laughs> yep, pretty much. They estimated to be about six foot from fingertip to fingertip. Pretty much. And they would mark it, and they would let that rope down, 
and at 20 fathoms, it's estimated uh, that here uh, it was, and I had it wrote down here, uh, well, it's all gommed up on me. Yeah. There we go. Uh, 120 feet. Earl, stay out of my lesson. <laughs> Pretty easy math, ain't it? Uh, he is, man. He's on it. So, so they dropped it again, and it was about 120 feet. Uh, so six feet. And so that is, then they knew that they were getting closer because um, the 120 feet to start with and 15 fathoms, of course, was more shallow. They knew when it hit, to, hit the bottom. They had a weight usually just somehow on the bottom of that lead or something on the bottom of that rope. So they let it down, it would drop straight down. And then they just left it back up. So they, that is how they measured the depth. Today we got nice little electronic boxes that sit in front of us and uh, takes care of that for us. So does anybody else remember to look that up? Willie pretty much had it last week. He said, well, he said fathom is death. You knew that much. Uh, you were on it. <laughs> but you still had an idea. So, so in verse 29, it says, Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they let down the boat into the sea under collar, as uh, though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said unto the centurion and the sailors, Except these abide in the ship, he cannot be saved. Notice what he said. He didn't say they. He more or less said we. Did you catch that? In other words, if we split up, I'm not sure what's going to happen. So, and if you remember early on, I said when the storm come, they would drag the lifeboat behind them. and said they lifted it up and tied it up to the ship. So, uh, notice this time they listened to Paul. <laughs> they, didn't, they, didn't, uh, they didn't say we're experts, we know what we're doing. Verse 32, then the shoulders cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, they said, there you go. So, by this point, and that's another reason I wanted to reiterate when, it's, when back when we first started reading, it said Paul after a long absence stood up in the midst of them and spoke this. I think he spoke at this time with more authority than he did the first time when he suggested they stay where they should. I don't think he was quiet or dainty when he told them they ought to stay put the first time. But I think this time, I think God gave him a different authority voice. Or they trusted him more. I, I, that's just my opinion. That's all I've got. That's exactly right. You got to cut temptation loose, whatever it takes. You can't play with it. That's for sure, because you'll lose. Good point. Glad I thought of that. 
verse 33, and while the day was coming on, so we're talking early morning here, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, this day is the 14th day that we have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. I think that's about where we left off. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health, for thou shalt not be in a hair fall from the head of any of you. When he had thus spoken, he took bread, notice this, and gave thanks to God in presence of them all. When he had broken it, he began to eat. So, we sometimes look at Paul as though he had some kind of different faith than what we've got, or some kind of special touch. Uh, yeah, he had revelations that you and I will probably never come close to experience, and I acknowledge that. But he was a man just like you and I. He was no different than we are. Uh, if you remember, uh, and this was mentioned something along these lines tonight, you were talking about Zach's finger. If you remember back a few chapters when Paul got arrested, we see that earlier on he petitioned Jesus to let him stay in Jerusalem to preach. He said, because they'll see the change and they'll listen to me. And Jesus said, no, they won't. Get out now. So Paul did that. He left Jerusalem and didn't come back for years. Of course, when he came back, first thing that happens, he got arrested. Did they listen to him? Did the change do any good? All it did was got him, got him arrested and them wanting to cut his head off. That's all it did. You and I sometimes have thoughts, and I'm not saying you're always, we're always wrong, but we'll have an idea or thought how we can reach something because of this or something that. We can, I can reach this person because of this. You may or may not. Only God knows what that person needs and who they need to hear from. It may be exactly the person that you think it is, and it may be somebody the complete opposite. You don't know, and neither do I. I can't see people's hearts. I don't know what they need to hear from, who they need to hear from. That's God's business. Only God knows that. So when God tells us to witness to somebody, no matter how impossible you may think it may seem or how unorthodox it may seem that you're the one talking to them, God has a reason. And you may be the one it takes to, to, that God uses to get through to them, but if we dishonor that and ignore him and disobey him and don't do that, then friend, you could be, I mean, you could, I, don't, I don't want to say you could be, you know, you're not responsible for their soul, but let's face it. I don't want to stand in judgment for that. And we will. Th that may be the only warning they ever had. Not just you getting the chance. I mean, it's both. So it matters. So, uh, but here Paul stood in the midst of them and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all, uh, to me that took some boldness. And I'm going to tell you why. Do you think that they could have looked at him and said, well, if your God's so great, why have we been floating around here in circles for the last 14 days? Wouldn't that be what we would think, people would think? But, you know, so it took some courage to stand up in front of these guys, even though he had already spoken what he would spoken, even though they were listening to him. It still took some courage. Two hundred and seventy some people on this boat. 
It's a pretty good sized little piece of floating wood here with a lot of people. I'd say you're very right too. Yeah, yeah, very possible too. Um, but I'm still, you know, it's still, uh, when I read that, you know, every time I read that, it's like, wow. I try to picture my mind this setting. You know, I try to think about it. What would it have been like to be sitting there on that boat? Oh, you know he was talking to him. He's just as wicked then as he is now. He hated Paul as much as he hated us, if anything more. Verse 36, then were they all of good cheer. Man, how things have changed. And they also took some meat. Now it's possible, I don't know this, um, that some of these fellows have been fasting to their God for help. Remember, have, most of these people on here are prisoners. And we know Paul is a prisoner, but we also know Paul didn't do anything wrong. It's possible that a couple other ones were in the same boat. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> but pretty good chance the majority of them was getting their just due. So it's very likely that some of these guys was praying to some kind of false god and fasting for their help and deliverance. So now that Paul stood up in front of them and give God thanks and break it, you see now the more meaning behind that. It is God that has saved us, not your God. More or less, I believe that was a testimony he was giving right there in doing so. I guarantee I wouldn't. No. No, I'm, I'm quite certain I wouldn't have been in the mood for some fresh, fresh shaved ham, I can tell you that. And <laughs> um, Cindy, you mentioned the number. And we were in all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. So if anybody does a little bit of math like Earl does, that's 200. And how many, Earl? <laughs> you just ignore me, wouldn't you? <laughs> 276 souls is what was on this, on this boat. Um, and when they had eaten enough, they lighted the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. Now, if you remember back a few verses before, it said they cast out the load. So apparently, they had some wheat left. Why? I don't know. I wasn't on the boat. Uh, it's possible that the owner of the ship said, it's, 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 I've got to deliver something. It's possible they said, we need this wheat for ourselves. I don't know what the reasons were. The Bible doesn't tell us. So whatever was left, it, it went overboard. When it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with, uh, with a shore in the which they were minded if it were possible to thrust in the ship. Okay, I'm going to stop here just in a minute for a couple reasons. When they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. So their idea was this creek or river uh, probably running into the sea and they were trying to get into that particular creek or river uh, because it was safe to find safe haven to get in there 
to make it uh, possible for a safe place to land. So, uh, verse 41, and falling in uh, to a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and four parts struck fast. So when it says two seas met, I kind of picture this. You ever notice in places in the ocean, or it seems like the ocean just crashes more than others? Uh, from what I understand, uh, it, that is kind of what's going on here. The way that the water came or maybe around an island or something, it's possible that it was a violent area. But anyway, um, verse 41, And falling into the place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground on four parts struck faster and remained unmovable, but the hinder part of the ship was broken with the violence of the waves. So after all this time, lands in sight, and the, the SS Mino gets broken apart. Um, the ship they're on, it finally hits in a place because they hit a ground that, that, that went straight down to the mud and the back part of the ship now is totally ex exposed to the, to the violence of the sea. Because if you, if you think about it, if that front part, the, the nose of that boat been in the dirt and the mud and it had not been moving much, the back of that boat was just was fixed. The front of the boat was fixed. The back of the boat couldn't really float and move around much and go with the sea. Now it was bashing against it. So it's going to break it apart, and that's what happened. Then the soldiers' council was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. Notice who spoke up. But the centurion willing to save Paul found that kind of amazing. Well, I wonder why he was willing to save Paul. Because for the last couple of days, he's the only one that had any clue on what to do. And that centurion knew it. I don't know if the centurion got saved from Paul's testimony during this voyage or not, but I can tell you he realized what a man of God could do for you. So, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that they which should, could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land, just as Paul had said. Um, all he thought in my mind is the, the boat was getting broke apart. No doubt there were larger pieces of wood, small pieces of wood, and everything that was on that boat was now floating in the water. I don't know about you, I, I consider myself a decently strong swimmer, but if you've ever been in the ocean with the violent waves, friend, you need all the help you can get. And, you know, it, it is said that um, uh, which they which could swim cast themselves in first into the sea and, and, got to, and, get to, and get to land. So apparently some of them were actually able to do that. Uh, sometimes you even swim and you can get on a wave, a wave picks you up just right and, and helps carry you on to the, to the nice, safe land. Uh, but obviously some of them was grabbing on everything they could. So this is one time they finally listened to Paul. And there's a whole lot more I want to say about this, but I just kind of wanted to get through this part tonight and at least get to the island. And uh, we'll pick back up a little bit of what we read tonight. Give a couple more details about things that I didn't give. I just gave a real, real brief description of what's going on. And um, we'll pick back up a little bit and then move on to chapter 28 next Wednesday. 
Does anybody got any questions or comments?